Hello, welcome to Unbiased with me, Darshi Harindra. I help organizations rethink how they use data and new technologies in a compliant, unbiased, and inclusive way. I'm on a mission to rehumanize technology so that we can max out on all the potential benefits it brings whilst keeping people very much at the center of its oversight and success. Now, this podcast is very much centered on the human side of the equity and inclusion equation. Through guests sharing their stories of how bias has affected and continues to affect their day-to-day lives, we can get a glimpse into the beautifully complex fabric interwoven into our communities. And we can learn about some of their work in trying to address or combat the ill effects of some of those biases. Today, I'm going to be chatting with a guest who works right in the belly of the beast of diversity and inclusion in and around the workplace. I'm joined by founder and CEO of Inner Ambitions, Lanre Sulola. Lanre is a coach who is passionate about building inclusive cultures to enable teams and individuals to thrive. Lanre's expertise in the inclusion and diversity field has helped organizations drive business performance and employee engagement. He works with organizations to implement key inclusion and diversity-related metrics, practices, and initiatives around performance, recruitment, retention, and promotion. Lanre runs programs to build diverse representation across all levels, create diverse teams, embrace difference, and break unconscious bias. He has vast experience in setting up and growing culture and diversity networks to provide peer support to colleagues and leverage diversity to meet overall business objectives. Lanre has specific expertise in various aspects of inclusion and diversity. He leads programs to support underrepresented groups to have greater visibility in their business and bring their true selves to work. His creating inclusion programs support individuals and teams in building an inclusive culture. He also runs racial equality and women in leadership programs. Lanre conducts performance and culture focus groups for organizations, helping them to understand what is actually going on in their business, the effectiveness of current initiatives, the impact on employees and where change is needed. Lanre is a poet and a powerful communicator who uses innovative tools to help individuals engage and communicate. Lanre, welcome to my podcast. Thank you, Darcy. No, great to be here. Real pleasure. Lanre, I love that your work spans across both large corporate organizations, but also communities and helping minority groups in smaller settings to help them thrive wherever they happen to work. Now, I believe you started out as a corporate professional yourself. Uh, Tell us a bit about your background and how you became involved in inclusion and diversity. Yep. So I I started out as an accountant. I was at PricewaterhouseCoopers as an auditor. And yep, great, great organization, did lots of different pieces of work with, with different clients and pretty much thought that would be what I'd be doing for, for my career. But in the second year uh, of me joining, there was this program called the Reach World Model Program. And the idea it was a government um, led program to raise the aspirations of primarily young um, black boys and black men. And what they did, um, they 
chose 20 black men from different industries to share their stories, to, to say, um, well, if I am um, doing good things in my career, if I'm successful, these are some of the things that I'm doing and you can do it as well. So I was going around to schools, um, colleges, universities, um, prisons, young offenders, institutions, churches, mosques, um, just to share that story and trying to inspire others. And and just because the world, diverse world we live in, I was reaching um, all different kinds of people by this role. And I, I really enjoyed it. And while accounting was good, um, there was something else I found within myself, being able to connect with people, share my story, help them unlock something with them to, to make a difference. And, and even when the programme ended a year later, because it um, changed the government, I decided to carry it on. So I kept my, my contacts, um, kept going into schools, kept speaking um, with individuals. Back in PwC, I started doing a lot more in their CSR teams, working with their the small charities they were connected to, the small businesses. Uh, and again, I, I just really found myself passionate um, about that area, wanting to touch people and reach people. Uh, and that ultimately led to um, down the line setting up inner ambitions so I can do it full time. So it was a journey. It wasn't like an overnight thing, um, but that definitely was a catalyst to realising what my, as they say, my true calling was um, in the world. And yeah, really, really love what I'm doing. Wow. It's so great that you found that calling so early on in your career, um, because there's a lot of people, myself included, who spent a lot longer in the corporate machine before mm. realizing that there's something else out there that really speaks to them. So it was clearly an amazing opportunity that fell at the right place in the right time for you. and. In terms of your experiences sharing your story with other black men in different places as part of that that program, um, can you sh tell us the sorts of things that you did share with them? So share, sharing the challenges that I face and the obstacles that I, I faced and, and helping people to realise that, that the challenges are, are a part of life, but there are um, tools that we can um, use to overcome them, having the, the mental strength, the belief to get through and, and, and having the right network in place. I, I, for example, shared, failed my final accounts exams twice. And it was at a time when the, everything was, was not too good in, in the world. There was a Lehman Brothers crashes and, and people were losing their jobs, a lot of redundancies. So failing your exams twice when you normally lost your job, um, I was double certain that I would lose my job, but, um, I really um, fought my corner in that situation, shared about the, the talent I brought, the assets that I had, um, connected with people in my network to help sort of build up my business case. And I ended up keeping um, my job and I, I passed um, third time, third time round. And it wasn't a journey. It was hard. I had to do extra study that my peers had passed and were on the next stage and I was behind them and, and sharing things such as this that people can sometimes look and think, well, it's okay for you. You've had a, um, easy life or you've had everything your way, but understanding that this, this can really strengthen you. You can, you can learn a lot. So, um, sharing that and, and, and even as a, a black man, um, growing up in East London and, and working in spaces where there were times when you're on client site and you didn't see anyone that, that looks like you, you felt um, very much as the only sometimes and the pressure that brought and, and not wanting to kind of um, make a mistake or, or ask for help, thinking that you'll be looked at and seen in a different way. Um, so so dealing with, with some of that and, and 
it's all come to the fore at the, at the at the moment with the importance of inclusion and belonging. But feeling that and that pressure and, and the challenge of of still trying to really be successful and um, all of these these things that we all feel um, important that we put it out in the open and, and help each other through it. Yes, totally. And I think to, to role model that for people that don't know the the people behind those successes and don't get to see that often i think that's really powerful the um the power of that story um for for others uh, so how long has it been since you set up in ambitions um 2013 um so it's been seven seven years now um when i first set up i was still um, in permanent employment so i was doing things on the side so i, I moved to another big um consultancy um and I was doing small bits around new ambitions, but my main focus was was my my role. And then it was 2014. I decided to go freelance. I said, okay, if I if I do not make this move, I'm going to regret it. So I said, okay, now's now's the time. Um, it's through a lot of change as well. I think I just got married, and my my first child was was soon to come as well. So um, I thought, well, changes are happening, so I might as well just go all in and and have lots of change. Um, so it wasn't really until about 2015 where really began to focus all my time, all my energy, um, on it that things started to grow. But that, even that wasn't overnight. It, it was a real process of lots of conversations, a lot of strategy, um, planning, a lot of sort of pushing and things failing, people not, um, listening or, or not getting back at all, all of those things you go through when you set them up a business and, I would say the last three, four years, we've seen kind of real growth. And then again, even the past 18 months, seen another spike. So it's, it's always a journey. There's, there's always an opportunity to grow. And, and hopefully, um, when we next talk in a year or two, I can talk about another, um, spike and a, another. So there's always things that we want to improve on and grow on and learning as well. But it's a, it's a great journey to be on. Yeah. And I mean, since 2013 till now, there's been so many kind of milestone events mm. during the, and particularly it's interesting hearing sort of your history of the growth of your business when I think of it alongside big kind of political or highly publicized events in, you know, like the death of George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter movement. And even, and before that sort of Brexit and Trump and the way the kind of the, the world has suddenly sort of become really, um, polarized and, and, um, and divided. And that seems to sort of also mirror along the growth in your own, mm. in your own business. Because Lanry, when I look at looking at your list of clients right now, that is, that is uh, publicized in terms of who you've advised, it's, it's quite a who's who of, of big corporate. You've, you've helped some of the world's largest consultancy firms, law firms. I see Starbucks, Starwood Hotels, Volvo, RBS, Google. And several more. And so from the time that you started your practice and until now, how have you seen organizations gain in maturity in that inclusion and diversity space? I'm, I'm keen in particular to learn about how you go about building your practice amongst these larger and, and what I perceive as more traditional corporate organizations. Yeah. I believe there has been a, has been a shift uh, as well with all the, the things you talked about the, the George Floyd murder, for example, and and just more um, exploration of where we are as, as societies and organisations, the, the realizations that we just can't keep doing 
the things that we've done over and over again. So I believe there is a realization from from leaders and organizations that we need to start talking to um, smaller niche companies that we can't just go to the big blue chip consultancies because we've always done and, and obviously not knocking them. I've worked for them before, um, so they create value. But there are so many different offerings and services, and it's about really connecting and understanding who can we really walk this journey with? Who really understands what's going on for the people um, that we serve, for the people that work for us, for our key stakeholders? And a lot of the times it will be um, organisations like Inner Ambitions who can do that, who can provide something that maybe is not being provided before. Um, we've created a DI maturity matrix to help organisations understand the stages um, that they need to go through to really make change. And they first obviously have to initiate um, these conversations, understanding what's going on. They then need to engage um, across the business to ensure everyone is, is brought in. Um, they need to embed this. This is not something that they can just click a finger to and it's going to work and they then need to advance. So I believe as organisations are starting to engage more, they are now seeing that it's a lot deeper than they first thought and people aren't going to stand for it um, any longer. There's, there's a real war on talent at the, at the moment. Um, so if you really want to keep the best people, you have to really have this embedded because um, strong candidates are not just going to ask, how much are you paying? Um, when am I going to get to um, senior manager or partner? They're asking, what are you doing about inclusion? How important is this um, in your strategy? How is it important when you're serving your customers, your stakeholders? And if organizations can't answer that to that, if they don't have a strategy, if they don't have a firm desire to do something, um, those candidates won't join. Passionate people, strong people within your organization already, they're not going to stay much longer. They're going to go um, elsewhere. So um, there's been a real sea change in, in terms of actually what is important for, for business in terms of performance, profitability, reputation. And just, just well-being um, is, is really key as well. So all of these things together, um, I, I believe it's it's helping um, more collaboration, more partnership, um, which is key, and yeah. bringing other stakeholders and, and businesses into the mix, which should be the case rather than just a few taking control of everything. Absolutely. I think that rings so true to me that the biggest challenge in this area is that something like inclusion and diversity is not just a box you can tick and move on to the next thing. It's not something that's going to be solved with an annual training session. It's it's this ongoing it, process. It's a consultative process. It's one that transcends hierarchy and really kind of pervades to that central value system of an organization because suddenly every action that you take says something about what you really stand for in that space and and your right talent is really starting to to pick that apart and to ask those questions early on so for you lanre what are some of the intro conversations like with these clients um in terms of why they see the need to engage someone like you because i feel like there must be some awkward conversations with senior leaders when they have to look into the the void um mm. and see what needs to be done yeah, I, well, well I, I've always said the starting point for inclusion is dialogue. So if, if you're not willing to um, face um, what's going on and have the conversations, you're not going to move forward um, in, in the first place. And and we always look to just collaborate and partner. Um, I think it's important to understand where your, where your clients are at. It's, it's important to understand the industry, what's going on. 
So we will always share our, our, our insights and our points of view. And I think that's the advantage of of working with, with a, a, a long list of clients is that you just see what happens in different areas and um, different organizations, different um, parts of the hierarchy as well. And I think just like you want to in the organization, you want to do that in your in your client calls as well, creating a safe space where you can really be open and saying that these are our key priorities, these are our, our challenges, this is what we're doing um, right now, this is what we're yet to do. So even though it might seem challenges, I, I, I wouldn't necessarily say they feel awkward because if we get yeah. people on the same page, um, it could be awkward if people don't really want to do anything about it. Yeah, maybe sure. Paying lip service, then there may be, but providing um, you've got leaders who who really do see the challenges, who are really genuine and see this as a a significant part of the business development, um, then we can collaborate, we can partner, we can share insights and ideas and really discover what's going on. Because one of the things we, we realise as well, when you're in the business with everything going on, you might think that you know what the key challenges are. You might think that you've got, you're on top of everything. Sometimes you need that outside view to shine a light, to ask those questions, to, to discover, not just for, for our side, but actually for you as a client, discover what is really going on. What are people really saying? What are they really feeling? What's the reason why certain demographics are continually leaving the business? Or what's the reason why we, we, we are not hitting whatever targets we've set over the past few years? That's when we can really uh, make change because, again, the inclusion is a starting point. The importance of inclusion is it brings about awareness. And when you have more awareness, you can then take the right action. Without awareness, we can run left, right, centre, keep going around in circles. We're not actually changing anything. We're looking busy. And um, I'm tired of looking busy. Um, I'm sure yourself, you're, you're working in, in organisations you're experiencing, looking busy doesn't really help anyone. And, and we want to see real real cha change and, and, and real action. Yeah, it's it's really encouraging that those conversations are happening um, at a, at that granular level to, to to dig into to how to move forward. And something that I've also found interesting about your work and the the offerings that you have at Lanray is that, as well as working with organisations and within them and with the staff within them, your work also includes sort of tailored training programs and a lot of robust offerings for underrepresented communities and the people that are comprising these workplaces and that are the talent of these workplaces. And, and that sits quite complementary to the idea of that collaboration. And so, so turning a bit more to your work with individuals and minority groups, what are some of the challenges that they commonly come to you with that you see most often in your practice um it's it's about allowing people to really thrive um as their unique self um who they are rather than feeling that okay i have to be a certain way this is the only way i'm going to get to the top this is the only way i'm going to be accepted and recognized so there is a big empowerment piece and a confidence piece uh, that people can and uh, really utilize um, their skills, their strengths. We focus a lot on, on strengths um, and the importance of that because research shows uh, when you lead with strength, you're more likely to have an impact rather than focusing all your time on your, on your development points where at, at, at most you're probably going to get to average. So it's get people, it's getting people really to understand and identify those strengths, being able to communicate it um, as well 
to help that that visibility. Um, and and also with this, it's realizing that we can't just do this in, in silos. If if um, underrepresented groups or individuals feel really empowered um, because of some of this work, some of the coaching um, that we do, and understanding of where they are. Yet they go back into a culture which is not inclusive, which doesn't recognise um, their skills and what they bring to the table. Nothing's really going to change. They're going to feel probably even more frustrated and demoralised and, and withdrawn. So it's it's really looking at all of the areas together, creating a culture and climate to change to allow different groups to thrive. But then now that that environment is more inclusive, that those individuals are able to step into it to really take control, but also give space for, for sharing and talking. We talked about stories at the start. We want people to be able to share their stories and their insights and because the more we, we share, the more we're just going to understand about each other. So it's about bringing a voice um, to everyone um, so they're heard, so they're seen, particularly in this, this current climate where we're working more remotely now. It can be very easy um, to be forgotten or, or, or looked looked over because of the, the bias or the stereotypes or the, the status quo we're always following. So we really just want to break those cycles and, and create leaders, new leaders, um, to break that and to bring others forward as well. The elements that you've raised just there bring up something that's, that is really important for me personally, and I wanted to dig into uh, into that a bit with you, uh, Lanray, and that is to talk about authenticity mm. and that ability to bring your whole self to work which I think is a, it really encapsulates a lot of what you've just been been saying and it's it can be a really tricky thing to address sometimes and particularly mm. in the workplace where to some extent everyone has a bit of a persona at least and this has always been an area which has led me to put this heavier emphasis on inclusion over diversity. Um, so in my work with other organizations, there's often that focus on diversity and what proportion of their staff are women or people of color or disabled, etc. Whereas inclusion goes broader than that and it's mm -hmm. exemplified in less tangible ways. Uh, it calls for that real psychological safety to be in place mm -hmm. for staff and, and not only of diverse cultural or socioeconomic backgrounds, but to accommodate any kind of diversity in thought and beliefs and interests of others. What are your top tips for those who struggle to be their whole selves at work? And, and also, how do you go about advising organisations to foster this kind of environment? Yeah, and, and it's so right. Pe people struggle with this day in, day out. And it's not just the big visible things that we talk about, like race or, or gender. Um, there are things that we just don't see, but people are not feeling safe enough to talk about it, to, to share about it. And it's... I always believe it's it's the environment, the leaders have to take accountability because when we have a culture, a climate where everyone is accepted, where, where views are, are, are valued and we role model this as well, it allows other people to say, okay, this is accepted because um, there is this internal dialogue that people have and they'll ask themselves, what can I say? How am I going to be perceived? And maybe if we're new or maybe we've not experienced certain situations we can say i'll oh, blank it out just be yourself we know that in reality that's not easy to do because we always have 
um, the brain talking to us about our past experience, what's happened before, are we the only one here? Um, so it's about really connecting. And one thing that can help as well is is building the right networks, um, employee resource groups as well, are positive things because um, you have a common goal, common purpose, and provided they're um, aligned to um, a business strategy and there's leadership support as well and sponsorship, people can then have a real voice and, and be among uh, like-minded people. So providing those forums is really important, but also being proactive as an individual to connect with those like-minded people, being proactive to talk with different groups and sharing their story. Um, so it does take an element of courage um, for all of all of us, because even if the environment is set, it takes courage to say, okay, this is who I am. This is what I believe. This is how I see it. And also real um, empathy for others, putting ourselves um, in, in the shoes of others. Um, I, I always talk about... Um, we have to show our faces um, to really build true inclusion and belonging. And that's the acronym FACES. So F is fairness. We, we want to be fair to everyone. Uh, if, we're, if we're showing favoritism um, to one individual because we've known them longer or they look a certain way, um, it's not going to allow people to be themselves. Acknowledgement is really key. That's the A, um, acknowledging um, that we are different, that we are unique, and we have to include all those different elements of, of who we are. C is around collaboration. The more we collaborate um, together, the more we're going to learn, the more we're going to feel more able to be ourselves because we realise there's not just one way of doing things. Everything is accepted. Empathy, as I mentioned, is 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 the E, putting ourselves in the shoes of others. And the S is sharing, sharing who we are, sharing stories, sharing information and that we might have heard elsewhere that there's no reason why others can't hear so so when we show our faces on a continual daily basis we start to break down some of these barriers which allows people to to be more authentic in their day-to-day -day working environment that's a great acronym i love i love a good acronym thank you for really sort of pulling out that to, to, to thrive and to build that kind of that's that safety that it really do, it does require a fair bit of work for everyone involved um mm -hmm. I like the idea of of encouraging people to to seek out allies and look to as far broadly as you can within the organization even if you know in your little in your kind of narrower scope or maybe your direct report or something there's there are there are issues there and to sort of build up that confidence slowly slowly and surely um, and the other thing that I really agree with is is that the the, the real importance of organisations to being open and vulnerable from the top down, mm. and also there's you know my my perception is that there's often so much training and all this kind of tar support that's targeted at minorities to be more them and be you know be as malleable as you can to fit into a structure that hasn't necessarily been built for people like them, but Really, you know, it's not enough for leaders to just tell you that you're empowered if, as, as you shared earlier, if past experiences have shown that behaving in a certain way may not um, actually lead to the outcomes that they would hope for or expect for. Um, and so, and that can actually end up being even more damaging. So I think that really, that, 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 that theme today of that collaborative approach to, to inclusion and to make that workplace, um, as, um, safe an environment as possible and to allow people to thrive, which ends up allowing the business to succeed is, is a, is a really good arc that is really important to kind of 
keep in mind as we go on that journey, uh, Lanre. So thank you for that. Um, and look, I guess a final question for you to round up today's conversation. We've had a lot of a lot of tips. I think there's a lot of practical stuff to take out of this. Um, but, but just sort of ending on the note back to the macro view that, that you share when you're working with organizations, what do you see as that kind of the low hanging fruit or one of the most effective ways for organizations to, to begin that process of dialogue with their staff? What's the best sort of openers that you've seen? Yeah. Um, communicate that you're, you're wanting to do it, that you, that you are doing it. So don't just have all your, your, board meetings or SLT uh, meetings and talking about it, but not actually doing it, include people, um, get everyone on, on the journey. They'll be at different spaces, um, different phases, but it's important to know where people are. Um, create those spaces, those forums, whether it is um, bigger um, interventions, town halls, um, team meetings, but also one-to-ones. What are we saying in our one-to-one meetings? What are we saying in the, in the, in the corridors or at the start of, um, if we were still working remotely at the start of just normal meetings? Are we, are we creating some time and some space and measuring, measuring the progress, um, as well, celebrating where things have improved, being clear on what the gaps, um, and still are as well. And there should be a real purpose. Um, so not just talking really vaguely or generally all the time, what are the specific things around inclusion that we really want to focus on? Um, and there are many things, and a lot of the things we see generally is around sort of diversity and senior leadership. Is that something that we need to speak more about specifically? Then let's talk about it. Let's see about what we do and how we make change. Um, is it around people just not being comfortable um, talking about race and ethnicity? If that's where we're at, let's shine a light on it and let's look at what resources might be needed, um, what support, what help do we need? It could be around um, retention. It could be various groups that are not staying or they're hitting a ceiling. And again, identifying it, calling it out, gives us something to, to speak to, give us some, gives us something to focus on. Um, so that can, that can definitely help in terms of low-hanging fruit because we can then set, okay, um, clear milestones around this. We can we can create a real plan rather than trying to solve racism and discrimination, um, which we're not going to solve um, in a few months or a, or a few years or by having a few talks. It, it's a lot bigger than that. Um, but having some specific areas of focus and target can help us um, move forward. So that, that would be my suggestion. Um, but then having a really clear roadmap of okay, what does the future look like? And what is the role that we all play ensuring that everyone has personal ownership and accountability to make the change? Because just having a few um, faces or people um, involved is not going to be enough to, to move the dial. Yeah, look, Lanre, there's, um, yeah, I, lo- I love your work. I think there's just so much there that's to be said for, for taking action and, and also knowing that, as you say, this is not something that we're going to solve, um, in a matter of a small space of time. So breaking stuff down into achievable kind of metrics that just keep us chugging along in the right. Um, direction and that should hopefully if we did speak again in a year's time we'll have snowballed into something and that kind of exponential momentum will start to grow from there so Lanway thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today Um, I really do hope that 
we start to see companies like yours become much more mainstream in organizations in the future. So I wish you all the very best with it. Hey, thank you, Darshi. And yeah, real pleasure talking and sharing and loving the great work you're doing as well. So look forward to, to speaking again soon. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Unbiased with me, Darshi Harindra. I derive so much energy and learn so much from speaking to such inspiring guests and amplifying diverse voices. If you feel the same way, please do subscribe to the podcast on whichever platform you consume your content from and follow me and the podcast so you can get all the latest episodes as they drop. I'd also love to hear from you. What works for you? What do you like to hear more of? You can connect with me via my website, darshiharindra.com. Until next time, stay open, stay curious.